time uh, to Him. Father, we come to You now desiring that Your Spirit uh, ignite us, that Your Spirit would awaken our minds and our hearts to the truth of Your Word. Lord, whenever Your Word is taught, whenever it is uh, preached, Father, You desire for people to hear it and respond to it accordingly. So, Father, as we hear Your words this morning, I pray that Your Spirit would grant us the understanding uh, that we need, that You would work in our minds and our hearts. I pray that You would put aside distractions in our minds. I pray that we would be wise to the schemes of Satan this morning, who desires to come and devour uh, the Word of God before it uh, is implanted into our hearts. So, Lord, we pray for Your name to be honored this morning. We pray for Your work to be accomplished in our hearts this morning. And I pray that every single one of us would submit to the authority of Your Word this morning. And that we would hear the words of the kingdom. We would hear the words of Christ. And that we would be found to be the good soil. And that much fruit uh, would be exhibited in our lives. <coughs> Father, we pray this in faith, trusting that on the authority of your word, you not only hear our prayers, but that you answer them according to your grace and your kindness and your purposes. So we pray all this in the name of your glorious Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you have your Bibles, uh, you can open up to the Gospel of Mark. Uh, we'll be uh, continuing our series in the Gospel of Mark, and we will be looking at chapter 4, verses 1 through 34. So the Gospel of Mark, in your New Testaments, it's right after Matthew. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the first four books that begin the New Testament, and Mark is the second of the Gospels. And last year, uh, we had been going through the Gospel of Mark and got through the first three chapters, and then today we want to pick up where we left off and look at chapter 4. So we'll be in chapter 4, verses 1 through 34. About uh, 15 years ago, maybe it was 20 years ago, uh, they came out with these pictures. And I don't see them very much uh, anymore. Maybe they still make them, maybe they don't. I haven't seen them in a while. Uh, but they were these uh, pictures of different colors that on first glance appear to be nothing more than this simple kind of hodgepodge of, of colors and random designs. But as you stared at them more, uh, an image popped out of the picture. Have you all seen those before? Uh, we have to stare at them and, you know, the person next to you is seeing all the details in the pictures and, and you're like, what? I don't see anything. Like, oh, you just got to keep staring at it. And everyone else is around you saying, oh, I see this, I see this. And you just, you kind of feel awkward because all you see is this fuzzy colors and things. Uh, with those pictures, what was amazing about those when they first came out, I can remember, uh, I don't remember if I was an uh, older kid or a young teenager, however old I was, but you would be in the store in Walmart or somewhere, and you have this crowd of people uh, that was gathered around this picture. And the crowd was divided into different groups. You had that group that was really excited. They had, been, they had figured it out. You know, they, had, they had got the message of the picture. They had been staring at it, and they were pointing out all these little details of the picture. And you had some people that would, would kind of start to see it, and they would blink, and you would lose it. 
Uh, and then you had that group that poor them, <laughs> they had been standing there and they just couldn't see anything. And you think about that. The picture was the same. You know, there wasn't a different picture for each different person. But there were different responses to that picture. Some people saw that picture, and when they saw it, they were amazed. Because they saw this picture go from just being this kind of random collection of designs into being this beautiful uh, mountain with a valley and a river running down below it and these beautiful trees and maybe a bird flying in the sky. All these wonderful details. The longer that they looked at it, the more beautiful it became. But then for some people, it was just some designs on a piece of paper in a frame. And nothing more. Because they couldn't see the picture. So you had these different responses to the same picture. And in some ways that represents what Mark is trying to teach us this morning. Because if you remember back all the way back to chapter 1, Mark was very specific in what his book was about. In verse 1 he says that it's specifically about Jesus, the Son of God. So that Jesus is the main character of his book. And then in verse 15 we get the kind of specific aspect of Jesus' ministry that Mark is concerned with. And it says in verse 15 of chapter 1 that Jesus says the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So that the rest of the book of Mark is this kind of unpacking of what the kingdom of God is and how Jesus represents the kingdom of God and the response of people to that kingdom. And just in three chapters, we have seen a variety of responses to this message of the kingdom of God, to this message of repentance and the gospel that Jesus is preaching. You have some people on one hand, His disciples, when He says, come and follow Me, immediately what do they do? They throw their nets down and they go and follow Jesus. They, some of them leave their family. So, so they're like the people who've been staring at this picture for a few minutes and they see it. They get it. They see the details. And they're excited about this message of the kingdom. But then you have some people who've heard the same words of Jesus. And they are hostile to this message of the kingdom. Particularly we saw in chapter 3 the hostility of the Pharisees and the religious leaders. That they were even planning to kill Jesus because of His message. And we also saw the response of His family in chapter 3. They were not really excited about what Jesus was doing. In fact, it says they thought He was crazy. And they tried to, to get Him and bring Him home. Because He was most likely bringing some type of shame to their family with all these uh, magic tricks and miracles that He was doing. And then you had some people, the crowds, to where a lot of them were excited about what Jesus was saying, but... At times you get the sense that they are more excited about His miracles than His teaching. And so all this, in just three chapters, you have a, a wide range of responses to the message of Jesus Christ. You have a wide range of responses to this message that the kingdom of God is advancing, that it's at hand, and it's specifically at hand with the coming of Jesus Christ. At this point, you may be wondering, how can 
there be such a wide range of responses to the same message. And that's why I think that picture illustration is so good because it's the, the picture is the same. But you have such a wide range of responses to the same picture. So what we see in verses 1 through 34 is you have these three uh, parables or four parables that Jesus is talking about. And they are regarding the growth of the kingdom of God. And one is, is very long, the first 20 verses. And then uh, you have another one about uh, the lamp and the basket. And then a small one about a seed growing. And then in 30, verses 30 through 34, this small parable about uh, the mustard seed. And how just a, a small amount of faith can increase the kingdom. And so in all this, Mark is addressing the growth of the kingdom. And of particular concern is how he addresses the fact that some people hear this message of the kingdom and their response is a changed life. And for some people, they hear the message of the kingdom and their response is hostility. For some people, they hear the message of the kingdom and their response is apathy or indifference. And Mark is seeking, in a way, to put the parables of Jesus together to show how this can be. So before we read the first parable, I want us to look at verse 10. Because in the midst of these parables, we have these uh, verses 10, 11, and 12 that provide an interesting take on the purpose of the parables and, and what Jesus is trying to accomplish here. In all of this, Jesus is addressing, uh, notice in verse 9, He says that those who have ears to let them hear. And in verse 22, He's talking about those who have ears to let them hear. And then in verse 33, He says that He spoke these parables to them and some understood as they were able to hear it. So in all this, Mark, Mark is, is pointing to the fact that there are those who hear the parables... And it changes their life. And some hear it only in words and does nothing to their hearts. So why is that so and how is that so? Notice what verse 10 says. We're going to start in verse 10 and then we'll come back to the beginning of the chapter. And Mark writes, and this is following the, the, the parable of the sower in verses 1 through 9. And when he was alone, he being Jesus... Those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. So you have the twelve disciples, and then you have an additional amount of people. So you had this big crowd that heard the parable. You have the twelve that wanted more information, and apparently there were some additional people other than the twelve that wanted some more information about the parables. And Jesus said in verse 11, And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Now you read that passage in those three verses there, verses 10 through 12, and if you just had that information, you would read that and you think, wait a second here. Uh, this seems like Jesus is intentionally giving parables to try to trick people or to try to uh, uh, hide His message. Because it says that He wants to give them parables so that they would not perceive and not understand or else they would turn and be forgiven. 
Now, if that's the only information that you had, and you didn't interpret this passage in the context of Mark's narrative here, then that would be the proper interpretation. But you think for a second. Now, was Jesus trying to hide the message of His kingdom? Was that His purpose? And if it is, that would go contrary to the first three chapters of Mark, where Jesus is openly proclaiming the advancement of the kingdom. And one of the methods that He uses is parables. And so the best way to understand this is not that Jesus was trying to trick or deceive people. But some of your translations may even say that in verse 11, to you it has been given the mystery of the kingdom. But secret is a better word. To where there is an aspect of secrecy to the kingdom. But it is in some ways like that picture that on first appearance appears to be just patterns. But for the person who is willing to look hard, and for the person who is willing to focus their attention and their eyes upon that picture, they will see that it is much more than a picture. Or much more than just a random collection of patterns. And so the same here is true. What Jesus is saying is that for some, they hear my parables. And they have no desire to repent. But for those who hear the parables and desire to know the significance of these parables and how it relates to the kingdom of God, then God will grant understanding. Because He says so much in the parable in verses 21 through 25, where He says that in verse 22, For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. So this aspect of the kingdom of God that is secret to some because they don't perceive it, they don't understand it. God, Jesus is saying that it's intended to come to light. It's intended to be made known. And so in verse 24, He says, Pay attention to what you see. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. So using that that picture illustration to help us understand this, what Jesus is saying is for the person who, who stares at that picture and wants to know what is behind it, the more they look into it, the more they will see and the more they will perceive. So the more you look into the teachings of Jesus and inquire what it is saying about the kingdom of God, Jesus is saying, it will be given to you. But for those who simply see it, as a parable, those who simply see it as a picture on the wall and don't care to know about it, they won't know about it. They will walk away seeing it as a meaningless parable with no desire to repent. And so, with that understanding, we will look at specifically this parable of the sower. Beginning in verse 1 of chapter 4. It says that he began to teach, he being Jesus, beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into the boat, 
and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell among the path. And the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground, where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up. And since it had no depth of soil, and when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirty fold and sixty fold and a hundred fold. And he said, he who has ears, let him hear. So in essence, Jesus has taken this picture with the designs and he's placed it in front of the people and says, he who has eyes, let him see. He who has ears, let him hear. So you have this group of people that's obviously interested in knowing more. So in verse 10, we see the the 12 uh, disciples and then an additional group of people who have heard this. And they know that there's some significance here. There's no, they know that Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of God. And they want to know more. You know, teach me how to see these images in this picture of patterns. I want to know what's really there. And so Jesus teaches them in verse 13. He begins to explain the parable and the significance of it as it relates to the kingdom of God. In verse 13 he says, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? And he begins to explain. He says, The sower sows the word. So the seed that's being put out here in the four different types of soil is the word of God. In verse 15, he says, These are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes away and takes away the word that is sown to them. Now, a lot of times we think that when the word of God is taught, like this morning, the word of God is being taught, that there's either one of two responses. Either someone is going to accept the word of God and they're going to embrace it, or they're going to reject it. But Jesus gives not two possible responses, but four possible responses to the Word of God. And the first one is, is that sometimes it is obvious rejection to where the Word of God is put out there, and in the, in the parable, the bird comes along and eats the seed up. And Jesus is explaining that and saying that there are times where the Word of God is being preached, and it never reaches the heart. It basically hits the head, and it bounces off. Because Satan is deceiving the hearer. So this morning, make sure that you are hearing the Word of God. Are you pleading with God to give you understanding of the Word? When you read at home, when you're in Sunday school class, when you're here on Sunday morning, do you ignore the fact that Satan is actively seeking to distort everything that I'm saying this morning? And He is actively seeking to distort your understanding of His Word this morning. So that if you were standing at Walmart and that picture was there, and the guy came back over there and said, Hey, look at this picture. And there's somebody over there. Hey, 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 look over here. Don't look at that. Look over here. 
Look at this flat screen TV over here. You don't need to stare at that thing. Look at this HD, HD screen right here. 3D. Come over here and look. Ignore that. And Satan does that. And so unfortunately, the reality is this morning is that times have not changed since Jesus. That the Word of God will be taught this morning. And some will leave indifferent. It will just be some random mix of words that you heard the preacher talking about this morning. And if someone asked you immediately when you walked out the door, you would have no idea what was said this morning. Because Satan has come and devoured the word. What is the second possible response? It says in verse 16, And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Like I said earlier, oftentimes we think there's either one of two responses. Either you reject it or you accept it. You accept it, everything's great. Uh, major warning here from Jesus. Not from Corey, but from Jesus. Jesus is saying that an outward acceptance of the gospel, listen carefully, an outward acceptance of the gospel does not mean that genuine salvation has taken place. According to Jesus. In this, t- in this parable, the person even receives the word with joy. They're excited. They hear the word of the kingdom and they're like, Yes! This is the best thing I've ever heard! Sign me up! I am committed. Jesus, I am your man! Wherever you go, I'm going. Whatever you tell me to do, I'm doing. You think, wow! Well, that person... Well, that wasn't like that when I got saved. Man, just look at that testimony. Boy, Jesus just really saved them. They're so excited. Sometimes that can be genuine. But sometimes it's simply deception. Because when trials or tribulation come upon this person falls away. Meaning not that they lost their salvation, but meaning that they were never genuinely saved. According to Jesus. So this morning, I challenge you to ask yourself the question, is your salvation dependent upon an emotional experience that you had when you were a teenager or young adult. Maybe you even cried. Crying is not sufficient evidence of genuine salvation, according to Jesus. And we want to do things according to Jesus. So for some, there is initial acceptance of the Word of God. But when difficulty comes, 
there is no visible evidence of saving faith. The third response. Verse 18. He says that others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and desires for other things enter in and choke the word. And it proves unfruitful. Again here, the response, is it positive or negative? It's positive. The word of God is taught. And there is a positive acceptance of it. Jesus says that they hear it. In the, in the parable, he talks about the, that the, the seed actually comes up. The plant begins to grow. But what happens? The thorns choke it out. The thorns choke it out. And it proves unfruitful. What does Jesus say about unfruitful trees? The Gospels do not prevent, present a positive image of unfruitful trees. Jesus says they'll be chopped down at the day of judgment. Jesus curses one tree for producing bad fruit. So it's evidence here that this is not a believer. That though they have outwardly, if you, if you walked up to this person and asked them, do you believe the message of the kingdom? They're going to say, yes, I believe the message of the kingdom. I think Jesus is the Son of God. He died on that cross. He was raised from the dead. We're supposed to believe in Him alone. It's good that you go to church. It's great that you teach Sunday school. I even give some money to the church. But in their heart, their concern is not with the things of the kingdom, but with the things of the world. And the result is that the word is choked out. And they prove to be unfruitful. So, the final one, in verse 20. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. Thirtyfold, and sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. Now, what's the difference between this last one and the second and third one? Because the second and third one, they heard it, right? They heard the Word of God. It says they heard the Word of God. And they accepted the Word of God. But yet, Jesus says they were not genuinely converted. Because what? What is the distinguishing mark of the fourth illustration? They bore fruit. Some thirtyfold, some sixtyfold, some a hundredfold. Now Mark doesn't go into the details about what the fruit is and this and that, and so we're not going to go into the details about that. But the point is this, that there was a visible 
evidence of saving faith. A visible evidence of saving faith in their life. Now, it was different for different people. There are some that God has gifted tremendously, and some that are not as gifted. So Jesus isn't saying that you have to have a certain amount of fruit. He's saying that there should be fruit. There should be visible evidences of the fact that you claim to commit your life to the kingdom of God and the authority of the king's messenger, which is Jesus Christ, or who is Jesus Christ. So the thing that I would be looking for as a pastor, and that I hope we would be looking for as a congregation, the questions that we would be asking about ourselves, is yes, I'm concerned about what you believe. But it's easy, especially in the South, to get people to agree to a set of theological statements about who God is and who Jesus is. But what I'm more concerned about, what are the visible evidences that you claim Jesus Christ as Lord in your life? Things that you do and things that you say Ways that you act, ways that you think, that can be explained only by the fact that you claim Jesus Christ as your Lord and you believe in Him alone for the forgiveness of your sins. That is the significance of this parable that Jesus is teaching. And he's saying the reality is is that when the Word of God is taught, it does not always fall on good soil. And that not everyone who says, yes, I think this is a great idea, genuinely means it in their heart. So this morning, my... Plea with you as your pastor, as your friend, as your brother in Christ, is to examine how you have responded to the message of Jesus, how you have responded to the kingdom. Is the Word of God simply just a picture in a frame? Jesus is saying one of the things that the parables do is that it, it, it filters those who are committed to Christ. So that as the parables are taught, as the Word of God is taught, you have these responses. And that it will demonstrate who is the good soil by the fruit that is produced in their lives. So are you one that is hearing, and when I say hearing, I'm talking about hearing uh, with your heart, as Jesus is talking about. Are you hearing with your heart the message of the kingdom this morning? Is Jesus your Lord? Some say, oh yeah, I believe in Him for salvation. Is He your Lord? Does He have command over your life? 
over your time, over your money, over your resources, over your children, over your job occupation, over what you watch on TV, over where you go on vacation, over every every aspect of your life. Is He Lord? Is the kingdom of God your desire, your mission, serving it, advancing it, living it out in your life? That is what Jesus is calling us to. He's not, he's not calling us to some casual, half-hearted commitment to Him. He's not interested in that. He's looking for those who will completely commit their lives to Him and His work, trusting in Him alone and living lives that bear fruit. So may we all be those who have ears to hear this morning. And may we not walk away from God's Word indifferent. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.